Hello everyone, welcome to Ask a Therapist. This is Nikita and Zam, and we are two psychotherapists here to answer your questions about love, life, and health. You know, in our private practice, Nikita and I see couples, individuals, and families. However, we're so passionate about this particular podcast because we're trying to reach a greater number of people at the same time. We want to demystify therapy. We want to open the door to therapy for you and introduce you to our tools and techniques that you can actually apply in your real life. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Ask a Therapist. It's Nikita here in the studio along with Sam. Hello. Today we're talking to you about high-functioning stress. And if this is you and you want to learn how to manage high-functioning stress or exactly what is high-functioning stress, just keep listening. So we have a very specific question today that inspired this episode. And question goes, quote, I'm a 30-year-old corporate lawyer starting to notice that I'm always stressed and on the go. I've started noticing headaches and stomach aches. My profession requires me to always give my 100% and I don't know how to manage the demands of my work with self-care, unquote. That sounds like the reality of, for a lot of us, Zam, what do you think? What a relatable question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. I think, you know, hearing that question, we can all think of times where we've been at work and buried under deadlines Mm. and... a lot of demands placed on us, a lot of people asking for our attention. And it's really easy to start to rely on different ways of coping. And I think that's what this individual is trying to tell us, that he's noticing some psychosomatic symptoms come up for him, which is quite normal when you're in a fast-paced environment and you don't have the opportunity to kind of stop Mm -hmm. and process what you're feeling. Slow down. Exactly. So it comes up in stomach aches. It might be back aches. It might be headaches. You might have a compromised immune system Mm -hmm. and think you're simply sick, but actually you're stressed out. Um, And then when we're in that kind of environment, it's an opportunity for more unhealthy behaviors like maybe frequent smoking breaks or a reliance on caffeine or sugary sweets to get us through the day. So our body's not getting the mental or physical nutrition that it needs and yeah I think we've all been there and sounds like this person for a living they're a corporate lawyer and neither of us are lawyers so can't exactly relate to that specific aspect but that just sounds like a very high demanding very high stress position to be in and especially to be especially have to be on all the time and to always be at your 100% that sounds incredibly exhausting and I think that's something that we can relate to I think what we do in therapy and in sessions we have to be on right at all times and to be able to put aside our personal lives and focus on what's happening for our clients so um if you're listening whoever's asked this question we completely empathize with you in that regard yeah and you know what questions are running through my mind right now um Nikita is that what are the messages that this individual is getting from his environment? Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's a very high demanding job. And so he probably, or she, I'm not sure, um, Mm -hmm. they probably have a boss who is monitoring their performance, who's expecting a lot from them, colleagues who are perpetuating this idea that if they uh, don't work to this amount of time, you know, till 11 p.m., or they don't cover these many cases, that they're not as good of a lawyer as as their colleagues, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that 
performance anxiety is probably very real for this person and that's this pressure to perform and always perform at the maximum level but what so for someone who might be listening to the exam who may somewhat identify with this this persona what exactly is a high functioning high stressed out individual i feel that this term gets thrown around a lot mm. what is your understanding of this that's a really good question it opens up a lot of other questions about how we define quote-unquote mental illness mm. there are certain mental illnesses that are diagnosable in a more systematic mm. evidence-based way um, and there are certain characteristics that we might find it's very common to hear the term high functioning anxiety or high functioning depression and so what that means is someone who's experiencing characteristics of these more common clusters of mental illnesses that we know about um, but is able to still perform activities of daily living mm -hmm. at near optimum levels so mm -hmm. go to work be very successful have relationships take care of their children all of that but when I think about a high-functioning individual, I see masks. And the image that's coming to my mind is, you know, those those masks of, of happiness and sadness that you often portray in theater. Someone who probably has to put up a front when they're at work or in their social life, but is, is experiencing dread and pain um, in their personal life. But is it's not gotten as bad as to the point where it might kind of render them um, out of commission and so maybe they're not taking care of themselves because of that that's that's a really good understanding um, of high functioning and I think it becomes very socially rewarding mm. when something is high functioning that's a really good point right it's it's this is something that that people look up to oh you hustle all the time mm. and the hustle never stops and that's the only way to attain something is by constantly constantly working hard but i think like what you said we just put on these masks all the time yeah. high performing lawyer to high performing friend to high performing father to whatever other roles that this person may have because it's socially rewarding yeah that's a really good point what you're saying about socially rewarding and you know our society if you kind of look at the trajectory that it's moving the direction that it's moving in it's moving away from relationships and collectivism and it's moving toward capitalism and consumerism and individualism and with that comes this need to obtain you know money and also just the way society's moving right now things are more expensive than they ever were before and so there's more need for for those longer hours and just to simply you know live an average lifestyle um but coupled with the need, coupled with society telling you that your self-worth is based on how many hours you put in at work, that's a real messy situation that we're working with, right? Yeah, and if your self-worth is based on your ability to reply to emails while you're on vacation or to constantly having to be plugged in at all times, it becomes such a big part of, and it is, I mean, a big part of our self-identity. I think what everyone does for a living or your career, it's so tied in with what you're passionate about. So I think the line between high-functioning stressed-out individual to high-functioning individual, it's a little blurred. That's a really good point. And so I think what we're saying is that these messages that are being bombarded, that are bombarding an individual it sounds like they are coming from three main places. 
Well, two main places. We've identified corporate culture and mm-hmm. what it's like to be in that environment with yeah. like like people and then popular culture what it's like to get those messages from society i want to add something here nikita and talk about personal culture Mm -hmm. um listeners as you know nikita and i both identify as indo-canadian and we're immigrants and there's a certain um there's a certain kind of badge of honor that comes with working really hard as an immigrant but like you said it's more accepted it's more expected um, and I'm sure that's not, that idea doesn't only exist um, in the Indian culture. The immigrant mentality. Right? Exactly. Very recently we did a post on this. So if you don't follow us on Instagram, you can go check it out there. Um, but I think this immigrant mentality that we absorb and we learn from our parents who may have been immigrants or our grandparents who may have been immigrants, not taking your parents, not seeing your parents take a break. Right, watching them work around the clock, work at work, work at home, mm-hmm. and not taking that time for themselves. I think we do absorb a lot of that, and these become these unset expectations or just ways of fitting into the world. And we adapt these roles without thinking about them critically. Absolutely, it becomes our normal, yeah. right? And if you're, for example, first generation or second generation, a lot of those cultural influences don't fade away entirely. They perpetuate depending on different phases of life. I've had clients kind of sit in front of me um, and say, you know, they're at that phase in their life where they're looking for a partner and there are so many comparisons that are happening. And in a lot of cultures, one of the things that makes you an appealing partner is the work that you do. That's the first thing that that people people ask often you know what do you do for a living how much money do you make um how many businesses do you own and that can be really scary right thinking that you have to you're going to be compared not only in terms of your personality or your looks or your interests or your passions or your kindness but also compared on this more professional level And if it's not your partner who is asking these questions, then it will be your partner's parents, Mm -hmm. your partner's families that are asking these questions, right? What is the title that goes in front of your name? Is it a doctor? Exactly. Or what are the letters after your name? (laughs) Yes, what are the designations after your name? And I think both of us have personally experienced that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure everyone listening has experienced a little bit of that in some capacity. I've known people in my personal life to have pretty much a meltdown because they think they're not going to be able to pass a certain exam and it's going to alter their image in the eyes of their in-laws. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to plug this in, Nikita, and let me know what you think here. I feel like in certain cultures, this particular idea weighs a lot heavier on on men than women, right? Um, There's this expectation that the man will take care of the woman and so they need to Essentially, society cares more about the letters in front or after the man's name than the woman's name, right? Um, just a bit of a side note that the feminist in me really wants to say this, but I think this is where feminism goes both ways because mm-hmm. I think men are also extremely limited by the social norms that are forced upon them, right? Yes. This, this norm, this expectation to be a provider absolutely. and to be a protector, that's absolutely exhausting But not because not only do you have to provide and protect your partner but also your parents and also your family that's a lot of pressure that's a lot of pressure for people in their early 20s yeah. right who are still trying to figure 
things out and especially if you're an immigrant in your early 20s and are you know trying to adapt to a new culture and in a new country that's this, a lot this was a conversation that I was happening that I was having with one of my uh, clients they also identify as um, a first-generation immigrant and something we coined together was immigrant child syndrome Oh, tell me. I already like how that sounds. Tell me more about it. I think as children of as, as children of immigrants or uh-huh. as first generation immigrants, you are in some ways indebted to your parents and yeah. because there's this unsaid expectation mm-hmm. and understanding of, you know, we we left all this behind for you. We yeah. sacrificed so much for you. Now what Absolutely. are you going to do with this? Where are you going to take this? Absolutely. Right. And I think if you actually look at a lot of people who identify as high functioning stressed out individuals, I don't have stats on this, but mm-hmm. a lot, and a lot, most of them are probably going to be either first-generation immigrants or children of immigrants. I completely agree with you. And, you know, like Nikita said, we don't have stats, but we have a lot of anecdotal evidence, <laughs> you know, from everyone in our lives. And we've all heard that story of, I came to the States or I came to Canada with $50 in my pocket. We've all heard that yeah. story. You know, Nikita, I joke sometimes because... Listeners, I'm an immigrant myself, um, so you know I'm the first person in my family to to kind of move to the to this side of the world. And I joke with my partner that I'll say that to my kids. <laughs> I came with these many dollars in my pocket and and left my home for you, and and like you said, it perpetuates, right? It's a cycle that will continue and continue unless we have these kinds of conversations, unless we teach ourselves and each other how to deal with this, and. Unless Unless we change the narrative, right? I'm joking about saying the same thing to my children, but it's about changing the conversation, in my opinion. And that only happens when we're cognizant of Mm. what we're doing ourselves, right? Exactly. Self-awareness is absolute key here. So the first thing I would say to this individual asking this question is... You're absolutely on the right track because you're on your way to acknowledging that there's a problem right? The first thing is to acknowledge that you're experiencing high functioning stress or anxiety or depression or whatever it might be. And even though you might not necessarily feel like you're diagnosable, whatever that means, um, that you've taken the steps to seek support and seek help. And for someone who might be on the fence about this and not know, am I a stressed out, high functioning professional? I think it's really important to ask yourself, what aspects of your life does this sense of perfectionism or this sense of high functioning stress seep into is this just your career is it just performance related or is this your relationships is this physical health is this you know narrowing it down and maybe seeing that this applies to almost all of them and it's really important to ask yourself how is this helping me versus harming me right can you elaborate on that i think every behavior is very adaptive initially right it's we create new behavior sometimes in response to something that is limiting us so every behavior in itself is very good it's very adaptive but eventually things stop working for us in the Mm. same way that they used to before Mm. right so maybe being a high functioning stressed out individual was helpful for me when I was starting out my career when I was 22 Right. It helped me stay on top of the ball. It helped right. me network with everyone. It helped me put myself outside my mm-hmm. comfort zone. It helped me climb that ladder. Mm. And it's important to ask, just because something worked 10 years ago, it doesn't mean it still has to work. It has, has it evolved? Am I still finding myself 
trapped underneath all this stress or has this become something that I can manage? Is this something, you know, it's important to ask yourself those questions. It's almost like spring cleaning for your emotions and your behaviors. What can I get rid of and what do I need to keep? And it's so important to constantly be reflective mm. of where you're at in relation to the phase of life, in relation to your capacity, how much you can give. A lot of people give, give, and give when they don't have that capacity to give and they burn out and they crash, right? It's really important to know our limitations mm. and to be able to act within them and, and be okay with them. Be compassionate towards ourselves. Let me paint you a picture mm. that I paint for a lot of my clients who identify as high-functioning, stressed-out people. Imagine, Zamir, standing in your backyard. Mm. Let's assume we all have backyards and we don't <laughs> live in apartments. Um, <laughs> Hashtag condo life. <laughs> I want you to imagine that if it, you're standing in your balcony over your plants or in your backyard over mm. your plants and you're standing there and you're trying to water all of your plants mm -hmm. from this cup in your hand. Mm. So you're tilting your cup on top of all these plants, but nothing is happening. The plants aren't growing, nothing is changing. Okay. They still look the same. And mm. you know what you start to notice is eventually these plants start to, to wither away a little bit. Mm -hmm. They start to die, they start looking sad. All the while, you're just tilting your cup over these plants and you're like, why isn't anything changing? Why aren't these growing? Why do they keep dying away? And then you decide to look inside the cup and you realize that you've been trying to water from an empty cup all this time. Mm, that's a really strong metaphor. Yeah. And I think a lot of us do this. We do water. We try to water from an empty mm. cup. But unless you replenish the cup, nothing, none of your plants are going to grow, nothing is going to change, right. and you're going to stand there absolutely stressed out of your mind as to why isn't this working. Absolutely. I really like that. That paints a really vivid picture. And so what you're saying is you need to make those lifestyle changes to improve your well-being. Mm -hmm. right. You need to acknowledge that your cup is empty. Exactly. Yeah. And kind of circling back to this individual's question and talking about the somatic psychosomatic symptoms, the first thing I want to say to them is book an appointment with your family doctor, book an appointment with your therapist. Mm -hmm. Listeners, those two go hand in hand, really symbiotically. Mm -hmm. You need to be consulting with your family doctor and your therapist at the same time to be able to provide yourself with holistic care. Yeah, I would be curious about these headaches or these tension headaches or these something as simple as dehydration mm. headaches, right? Doesn't have to or be this over caffeinated. <laughs> yeah. yeah, doesn't have to be this big scary medical thing, but mm -hmm. I think what you're saying is to be able to care for yourself holistically, but also trying to find the origin of this. And then the next step is we talk a lot about awareness. Be aware, be aware, be aware of these messages that are bombarding you and where they're coming from. And recognize that you have the power to take what you want and leave what you don't want. Yeah. Spring cleaning. I like that. When you say spring cleaning, mm. you know what comes to mind? I was I was listening to one of the most recent episodes of um, by Tim Ferriss mm -hmm. on his podcast, yeah. and he had invited Brene Brown um, into one of the podcasts, and they were talking about this idea of striving versus self-acceptance, mm -hmm. you know, at what point is striving enough and you can accept right. yourself, right. and you know what they talked about, spring cleaning, I really liked it, it's like when you decide to spring clean, and you sort of, you know, empty out all of your closets, and you just dump everything on the yeah. floor, 
and then halfway through it, you're cursing yourself. And yeah. You're like, shit. Why, why did I start this? Why the hell did I yeah. pull everything out? Yeah. I can't do this. I yeah. can't. I can't get through all this crap. But eventually, one piece of clothing at a time, or Absolutely. one piece of unnecessary shoes at a time, you're able to sort through what you need and what you can throw away. Yes. And I think what you're saying is so similar. What do I need from this? What do I still need to carry with me? And if it's not helpful for me, how can I start to let go of this? 100%. And the best people to help you do that, and it's like you said, it's difficult to do it on your own. You need some support. Your therapist and your doctor. I will repeat that um, until the end of the episode. Your therapist and your doctor, listeners. And so this is part one of what it's like to be a stressed out, high-functioning individual and, and kind of where that is born from. Next week, we'll be back with part two of this episode, and we'll talk a lot more about how do you start to let go of ideas and beliefs that aren't helpful for you anymore, and how do you actually let this stuff go? How do you come out of this? How do you stop being a stressed-out, high-functioning individual? Sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Be well. That brings us to the end of today's episode of Ask a Therapist. Thank you so much for spending time with us. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review down below. If you have any questions you'd like us to answer, please send us an email. The address is in the description box below and include podcast in the subject line. You can choose to remain anonymous. Thanks, everyone.